0: gang. First off, thanks to everyone uh, who's joined the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. Uh, for those of you who haven't, uh, it's a private group, and you can join uh, really simple. All you have to do is uh, submit who you'd like to see as a guest on Krista Makes a Podcast. And uh, so far, it's uh, it's been an overwhelming response of requests for Roger Lima, uh, of course, the bassist for Less Than Jake, <laughs> um, which, is, which is hilarious because, uh, you know, when we're off tour, we'd rather not speak to each other uh, no that's not true um but uh i was super excited that roger uh, agreed to be on the show and we've given the listeners their wish uh roger is the first guest uh who left it up to me to pick the song and uh, i went with the science of selling yourself short uh Uh, One of uh, Roger's greatest songs I feel he's ever brought to the table for Less Than Jake. Uh, We go in-depth on the writing process of it. Uh, We talk about the recording with producer Rob Cavallo. Our disastrous debut live performance of the song at the 2003 K-Rock Weenie Roast. And what the original lyrics to the song were. So to hear all this and listen to us hurl insults at each other for 45 minutes, please stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a pie. You know, I started this damn podcast and, uh, you know, I put out there on the Facebook page. I said, you know, who do you guys want to see as a guest? And overwhelmingly, the guy in my damn band, your name keeps coming up. So I had to have you on the show. How you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. Yeah. People don't realize that we interact plenty outside of extra <laughs> conversations for podcasts.
0: This is like the last, you don't understand. I, I dreaded this text. I I did not want to have to make this phone call. I'm like, oh, God. But he's agreed well, to do it. He's here, folks.
1: Well, you know, I'm a fan of songs, and I, I'm I'm like the same. Me and you are the same in that way. We always wanted to be, oh, what's the story behind the song? And, like, how the hell did he come up with that lyric or that idea? And, like, I think that it's cool that you're doing this, man, because I, I'm ultimately going to learn shit about songs that I like that I didn't know. So I think it's cool
0: well thank you for saying that and I actually out of he did pay my, me
1: 20 he paid me 20 bucks to say that you guys
0: <laughs> at least 20 bucks um, no I, I I, really was uh, out of all my guests I mean this all my heart I was really looking forward to, to doing this with you because uh, I know it would just the, the episode's going to write itself I didn't with all my guests Raj I make notes you know like you know about them I didn't have to make notes about you obviously but I did print the lyric I did print the lyrics just to have them here so um, the listeners know I asked my guests to uh, uh, pick a Song, a defining song from their career. And I asked Roger, and Roger said, Oh, I thought you did that. (laughs) And so I said, You know what? For this particular one, you know what? I will pick it. And um, this is an interesting song. It's The Science of Selling Yourself Short from our anthem record uh, that came out in 2003. Um, It's interesting because, you know, I, I have a really, really good memory. I pride myself on it. And what I do remember of this song, I, I really want to get Roger's take on it because um, this was one of the later ones that was written for the record uh, that I remember coming to the record. Roger may have had it before, but uh, so so set this one up, Roger. If you can take us back yeah, to to 203
1: I yeah. You know, my memories are not like yours, man. Chris can remember like dates and times, and this guy was there, and you were wearing a red shirt and stuff like that. I don't really remember stuff with that kind of detail. I just kind of remember sort of like. The vibe and, you know, like what the interactions were like and sort of the feeling and like, you know, the moments and stuff like and with that that song particular, like it just always had its own space when we were working on all those songs. Because you got to remember, we were working on anthem and B-side songs together.
0: Yeah, at the same time.
1: We were shuffling like nearly, you know, whatever it is, 30, 35 songs or whatever at the time. So. But science always kind science always sort of had its own ah, it had its own like feeling and its own space. Like we gave it its own attention. It was uh, I think we kind of knew that it was unlike anything else that, you know, we, we had done some reggae before. And we, there, we have bits of songs that have some of that reggae stuff. But it was really like kind of its own monster, even from the get go, I feel like, you know.
0: Well, yeah, and that's a great point, too, because like when, when we were doing the, the demos or writing, I should say, for, for whatever record, we didn't even know this would have been 2002. And uh, we were rehearsing five, six, seven hours a night, like every night we just go to the warehouse and, and we would just go for it. And so, you know, we didn't really know what songs were going to make the record. We honestly wrote like 30 songs. And then, of course, one record became a B-Sides record. But in terms of this one, you know, I don't recall jamming it or playing it out at our practice space. This was something that, and, and what I do remember, and maybe this will jog a memory, Raj, I do remember, um, I don't think there was the chorus, the I'll sing along. Uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's totally right. So my, so, you know, yeah, I came up with the initial thing of the song. And like, so here's what I remember about it, which this might trip you out, though. I don't think you even know this, man. So the first incarnation of the music for the song for me was just obviously just guitar and vocals and it had the had that melody like completely set but the lyrics that i had for that before i brought it to the band because i didn't know that this was going to be like a what's jake song because we were doing punk rock stuff this was like this chill little california thing right for me in my brain <laughs> and like I was – the lyrics that I had for the song, it went 700 miles, 700 minutes, and it was all like about this girl that I was dating in California and how like I just attributed the number 700 to like, you know, getting to see her the next time and stuff like that. So – and I actually have that written in like my first lyric book, like the lyrics to that song, and it was just – the song to me was a <laughs> – it was called 700 well, that's
0: very interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, uh, I know hon- man. I, honestly, what I did think, though, because you've had a number of songs, you still play this one riff that's never turned into a song. It's almost like a... Uh, God, for lack of a better word, like a flamenco. Uh, you always play it on acoustic guitar, and uh, but, anyways, that's something you. The thing I'm talking about is something you wrote back, like when you were a kid, like in high school. And for some reason, I thought maybe science was was one of those you wrote way back when and then brought it to the band. But um, again, I remember the. Uh, I never heard that story. That's fascinating about the 700. <laughs> I that's, that's that's the first time. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, <clears throat> the the song itself, I do remember. The verse and 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 the melodies you had, you know, da 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 da, what you were just singing, that was all the same.
1: But then at some point, yeah, I wanna no, say- that I want to say that that was that was Cavallo, uh, Rob Cavallo influenced, and I think I kind of remember Jr. being the one to be like, well, you know, if there's gonna be a chorusy part, it should go to this note, like or whatever. I I, I kind of think that 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 happened when we were pre producing the song. In California. I don't think that that was like part of the song before we actually got out there and got in the practice space with Rob Cavallo back then.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I agree. That's kind of my, yeah.
1: my, my, my recollection and, of it. Because I kind of like, I, I, I gave it a listen because it's been f- a few years and like there's so many little things in there, like that sort of tremolo guitar thing that happens in the chorus. Like that was all Cavallo, like that idea. Sing along. Yeah, I feel like that came when the sort of chorus idea was introduced, you know.
0: Right. Well, that was, another, and I, I, I want to touch on Rob's influence on the song. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. Um, yeah, because there's definitely, definitely stuff he brought to the table. So, so, so going back, you know, when we're doing the record, like at what point? At what point did you realize like because to me, like it was it was really like when I first heard like the faders go up in the studio when like like the horns were on there, the backing vocals, and I I had my oh shit moment, like, wow, like this is something special. This is a different animal. When when did you know that?
1: I uh, I don't really know, man. I mean, I think as we were building the track and then the horn parts sort of solidified and then like the percussion kind of came in there and gave that sort of background vibe and like the organ player came in there and laid down his little things and by the time it was all like stacking up it it just I don't know. It just kind of felt like we had built a mountain out of a pretty simple idea to me, you know, like it wasn't like a it was just some chords and a melody. And it, it, got, <laughs> yeah. it got it got orchestrated like a, like a mofo, you know, as far as like a lot of our other songs. So some of those songs, you know, are pretty straight up, like we're just kind of rocking it out the way we sort of do it at practice. But that one has I don't know, I guess they all have extra layers and stuff, but but science just has its own it's own like spirit, you know, like it has a lot of those layers that contribute to like that. The overall.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's such a great point because it really, if you just break it down, it's, it's only a couple chords and the melody is, I don't want to say it's simple, but it, it, you know, it's, it's not this big complex song that it, that it turned out to be. I mean, the initial idea, you're right. It was just this little, little reggae riff idea.
1: Yeah. I really think that what happened with the chorus too lyrically, like, like, Although, you know, we kind of like, I think when we were doing it, we were like, this has to be something that everybody can remember, like the first time they hear it kind of thing, like the I'll sing along, you know, like that whole like echoey kind of thing. And I think that sort of is another thing that made it kind of like, I want to say idiot proof, you know what <laughs> Like well, yeah. anybody's going to be able to sing that and remember that part. And so like lyrically, that was, I don't remember how that came along too. Cause that was way late in the game as well. Like well, that I, part I, of it. I, I
0: do remember for our listeners that don't know, you know, we recorded this record Malibu at uh, morning view, the name of that incubus record that where they recorded. And this was a, it was the most rockstar thing we could have done. You know, Warner brothers put us up in this 15,000 square foot mansion. We had half the house. The owner had the other half. And I remember to, to your point just now, Roger, I remember being at the dinner table one night and. crying Craig, our A&R person who signed us at Capitol and also signed us at Warner, he was just harping on this song about needing a chorus. And he kept just saying, you know, he wanted it to say, I'll sing along every time. He never wanted it to say, I'm so far gone. You know, he's like, no, it's got to be the same thing. It's a chorus, you know, and, and to his point, I mean, yeah, a lot of times you want to hit people over the head with the chorus and I wouldn't change anything with it now. But uh, I do remember that conversation. It, that was a big, that was a big deal of like, this chorus has to like, you know, has to be Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, the compromise that we kind of always fell into with stuff like that, because, like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say they ever like put their foot down. But, you know, a lot of times Craig wanted stuff dumbed down. He wanted some stuff simpler, you know, and that and we kind of always sort of were like, well, we'll kind of halfway do that. But this other line has to be, you know, something descriptive and something original.
0: Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that. I think that's why our fans do, you know, do like us. We stand out in that way. It's not, you know, cookie cutter, all of it, you know, and and we've we've had our moments where it's like, no, this has to be simple and, 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 you know, simple, stupid or whatever. But, uh, yeah. So, so going into, um, you know, uh, I just want to want to say real quick. I remember when we were out in uh, doing the record, and again that playback was happening. And during that time, it was around Thanksgiving. My brother had flown out, and my brother is a big champion of the band. He, he loves us and, and loves all the music. And I just remember him hearing this. He heard like all the playback of pretty much all the tunes. They were they were pretty much done by that point. We were only out there for maybe another week or two after after he was there uh, into into December. And um, he was just. The look on his face—I'll never forget it. He just like he—he he asked Doug the engineer. He said, "Can you can I hear that again?" And you know, he didn't ask any other song, just that. One. can I hear it again. He's like, "Dude, that song's incredible," you know. And and it leads me to and you know, it's such a fascinating topic of what makes a hit. And that's why I picked this song, Raj. And, and this isn't, uh, I'm not saying this from a standpoint of, you know, we, we got robbed. We should have had a hit, but you know, this is one of those songs in our career. I was like, okay, right moment and right time, right label, right amount of money. Uh, you know, this had hit
1: single written, written all over it. Yeah. I mean, but you know, I think to some degree or another, it it sort of was like, I mean, it, it it rocked the, it rocked the waves as much as we could have at the time. Like, I mean, I I don't really know like what, you know, if it was going to turn us into like arena rock size band or something, I think we were always going to be like what we were or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, the video that came out for it, that there was, they spent some money on that video. They, 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 you know, they tried to make it happen there. And I feel like, I feel like we we got, we got like the appropriate quote unquote push without like being too ridiculous, you know?
0: Sure. And my, well, my second point to this was, is that it is a hit amongst our fans. (laughs) You know, when I, when I was saying hit, I was talking commercial level, you know, being being on the time at MTV or or whatever was happening at the time. Um, And it didn't, you know, get that, uh, uh, you know, Huge status, but amongst our fans. And I mean, it's a song that we've played at every show since the record was released. I can't remember a a time where we didn't play this song live. It's just we kind of have to play it.
1: Um, I remember a time that I wish we hadn't played it live that I thought uh, I, of, I, I, that I, I think, thought of the other day. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I know that one. <laughs> oh, dude, that was a rough one, man. That was, and that so, was one of the first times, oh, yeah. It, can, so can, I, can I, can I set this one up? <laughs> yeah, dude, that was, <laughs> so, I was like, oh no, we ruined the song. Maybe that's why it wasn't a huge hit. So my friend Roger, uh, he has, and
0: and, and 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 we will talk about this at the end when I let him uh, plug all his projects. But Roger's been playing in Rehasher, a band he started uh, back in the early two thousands, and Rehasher plays this show. I want to say it was in Jacksonville, maybe. Um, And the very next morning, we're all out in L.A. We flew out there. And uh, the next morning, Roger's up at the crack of dawn, like 5 a.m. And he flies out to L.A. We're playing K-Rock, which, you know, you've heard me talk about K-Rock on this show. K-Rock's one of the biggest... Uh, stations ever in, in, in Southern California and Los Angeles, and we're playing their radio show. Now, when you got invited to play a radio show, that meant the radio station was playing your hit. All kinds of industry people were going to be there, the label people. It's kind of like, have your shit together. And we had never played this frickin' song as a band at that point. We rehearsed it. Yeah, we it, had. Not yeah, live.
1: We, we kind of we knew it. There's a couple factors that was going on there. Like, for one, the song is an F. You know, and it's a little bit the scale of it is a little bit higher than the majority of our songs. It's just a little bit harder to sing. It's a little bit has a couple of those extra high notes in there. And then it was like eleven thirty in the morning or something they had us playing, like a yeah, ridiculous we, early, like we got shafted <laughs> on the time slot. It was like <laughs> rainy and cold. It was like, there was like not that many people even there. And I don't know. The I just, that might've been the first time that we played it live. And it, I just remember, I just remember being like, man, I did not sing that very well. Like, I just remember being like that that song is way better than what we just did on that stage. You know what I well,
0: mean? Well, and, due and, and, and <laughs> and, 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 and to my initial uh, point is, you know, you were up late the night before you were screaming through up, you know, rock, a rehashers, punk rock. It's just nonstop vocals screaming, you know, and, and, and you get on this flight, you come to LA straight to the airport, to the show, put on your show shoes, you're on the stage and everything you said is correct. It, it couldn't, we, you know, the weather to the time we got, we got the parking lot slot, we got shafted there. We couldn't. It couldn't have <laughs> got worse. I, mean, I remember looking out. Now this was—I uh, yeah, want to say it was at Irvine Meadows that we did that. It was just this huge, for lack of a better word, this open-air uh, amphitheater. You know, it, it looked like a stadium. It was humongous, and um, there was—you know—could probably hold thirty, you know, twenty-five, thirty thousand people. And when we went on, there might have been two thousand people in the whole place. they're just pockets. And I remember yeah, it looking,
1: was empty. Yeah,
0: it yeah, was totally empty, empty. Yeah. I remember looking out (laughs) right after the song ended and uh, right in the middle of the crowd sitting down is Jeremy Popoff, the guitar player from lit. He had the big long beard in the, in the rubber band at the time. And I look out and and they had the, of course, that song, my own worst enemy, which is a lyric here, you know? And I'm like, Hey man, man, thanks for letting us borrow your lyric. And he just kind of waved. And I'm like, man, we're at the friggin', you know, we're at the talent show and we just got pantsed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was, you know, but the rest of the set we, I mean, was fine. It was just that particular, song not being super rehearsed on it it's sort of like it's like slightly up on the difficulty level on singing and stuff so yeah that was that was a thing but um you know i but since then like it's like i'm really like i feel really good about when we play that song it's it's uh you know it feels good to get get those melodies out and like uh it's it's uh it's always fun live man yeah yeah
0: i'd like to say that that was probably the last song or last time that i remember and that was in 2003 december of 03 um that was the last time that i was ever nervous about getting up and playing our songs there was you know there was a lot of unjust pressure we put on ourselves all the labels here it's a big k-rock thing this is our chance and in reality uh, you know we had been a band at that point for 11 yeah. years <laughs> you know, we already made it in terms of everything we were putting this you know this undue pressure on ourselves it's ridiculous
1: <laughs> yeah but, totally um, man but well, go- yeah but like back to like the creation of the song and stuff man i you know it, it, really i can't express how like when we were doing the thing out in malibu and we were like living it and this was like the big record that we actually like were spending a bunch of money on we had like green days producer and we had like a personal chef cruising in and like we were like we were we were living it like that was our that was the peak as far as you know like the lavishness of the music industry or whatever and uh and yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that's even amongst all of that, like, it still felt like, uh, you know, a lot of those songs, especially science was just like, we were still sort of making a statement, you know, we were still kind of like doing our artistic thing and, and it felt good to do that. You know what I mean? Like,
0: well, you know, and, and we, we were out there for about a month and, um, I don't I can't recall a day that it rained out there. I mean, it's Southern California; it was just beautiful weather. Seventy-five degrees during the day, fifty-five at night. We were <laughs> we were a, we were a, a quarter mile from the beach. The house was situated directly next to Share's mansion. Okay, Sunny and Share, you know mm-hmm. uh, Share. <laughs> and and I remember going down to the beach every day, and I it was just I remember when we were doing it that it was a special time. I'm like I remember saying to myself, Chris, you enjoy this and remember it. And when I hear this track. In particular, it's kind of like I can feel the summer vibe, even though we record it in November, if that makes sense. I can just I can feel the Southern California. The song just drips with that. And and I just I, I, I go right back to when you know that moment when we recorded that those times.
1: Yeah, man. It, it, like I said, it, it captured that stuff pretty well. I mean, some of that stuff that on that record is a little bit more straight up punk rockish kind of thing or whatever, and it's, I think fits other sort of eras of the band. But yeah, this you know we, we've done some reggae since then too. Some s- songs in this world, but it, and you know something about it's it's that marriage of melody and lyrics and just the vibe captured on the recording and all that. So it's just a, it's a trip.
0: And and, and getting into keys, I like to, and I haven't touched too much on this with people. Um, uh, and, and it's kind of well, yeah.
1: I mean, I tried to move it down to a more logical <laughs> key on the guitar. Did,
0: did, did you? More,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, that you know, it's, it could be done in in a lower key, even the half step down, like saves a lot of those top notes in the verses. And but it and just it doesn't just makes feel it, the same. It doesn't have the same impact. Like F, you know, when something, it's just kind of a little bit pierce a little bit more piercing i don't know it just it, it settled down too much if you yeah you, know, you guys at home that play guitar play play the thing in a half step down play it in e and sing it and you're like oh now it's kind of like too chill like it's it doesn't have the intensity of of where it sits. So that was, I definitely remember being like, oh, I wish this could be down lower so it's not going to be a bitch to sing. But yeah, and, to,
0: and for our listeners who are musicians that can hear this kind of stuff, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. It's, it's, uh, well, we I, don't
1: I, cheat though. You know, I, it's pissing me off these bands that are, that are starting to cheat and play their songs like down a whole step or whatever live. Like I, the, the day that that happens is when I just need to either start taking vocal lessons or quit smoking weed, whatever it's going to be, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, because...
0: <laughs> uh, and, no, I was, I, that's a great point. I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse to have the ear, uh, that we, that you and I do Raj. And, and, and again, to our listeners that have a great ear for music and hear these things, you know, I've been to, to amphitheater concerts, you know, my favorite bands in the past couple of years, and, and I'll see 20,000 people jumping out of, off the rafters going nuts. And I'm like, and all I can think of, I'm sitting there going, ah, oh, damn, my favorite songs down a whole step. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it, and it gets it like that triumphant line in the chorus and you're singing it like at half volume because it's not up high where it's supposed to be it's just yeah it's a weird
0: yeah thing. you're flying half mast at that point you're like what's going on <laughs> why why doesn't this sound right and uh yeah a lot of you know a lot of those 80s cats a lot of those guys that ran in the in the 80s a music that i, I grew up and loved uh they painted themselves into a corner because they were they were singing notes that only dogs dogs could hear Um, yeah. and, and now they're, they're, they're up there in their, uh, in their sixties, uh, trying to hit these notes that it's impossible. Um, so let's, let, let's, let's touch on a little bit of what Rob brought to the table. Rob Cavallo, of course, is, uh, uh, his breakout record was dookie with green day. He's went on to do a number of things over the years. Uh, he's, uh, been, you know, President of ANR for a number of companies, uh, and we got a chance to meet with Rob uh, about a year, maybe six months before this record. Met him in L.A. and thought he was a chill guy, and just his just his uh, track record alone, we wanted to work with him. Um, what do you remember about Rob bringing to the table with this song?
1: Well, you know, he just has like a like a sort of a quirky energy, and he he's sort of spontaneous in a way, and he's very free. Like as a as a musician, like he just his palette is like really widespread, man. Like when hanging out with that guy, and he would pick up a guitar, and you would just be like, okay, like he understands like all the like '60s chord structure stuff, and like it was just. You know, he just kind of got sort of a charm of, of a track like that, you know, where it's just sort of it's it's simple at its root form. And uh, for sure, like his contributions were uh, some of the guitar sort of little stuff that's stuck in there that, you know that uh, like there's like a little little guitar interlude that'll tie these two sections together or like well, the fact that like that, like a real hard tremolo on the chorus to kind of give it its own flavor that there's no other song like that on the record and uh, a lot of the little sort of details that you hear on there and i have well, to you... like sh- shout out to the percussion again man like the percussion too like if you mute that track that thing does not feel the same you know
0: did Louis Conti, is he the one who played on that? Was that Louis? I believe
1: so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah I think I have video of that buried somewhere.
0: Well, I was going to say, and then there's the, um, uh, the pre chorus. So I sit and wait and wonder does anyone else feel like me? Someone so tired of their routines and disappearing self esteems. That part, um, you doubled your bass on a baritone guitar, which is really cool. <laughs>
1: that that like a kind of reggae trick that part yeah and and that's like that's the guitar part that everyone's like, "Oh, Chris, you're such a rad guitar player, man." I'm like, "Wait a minute, I played that."
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, but that, but that part again. It, it, it went from this verse, and then it just kept building. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> You know, and then there was the layers of the keyboards, of course, the the the, the percussion, and and something about that track, the the key that it's in, uh, the fact that there's no distortion guitars. I mean, the the horns sound amazing on Science. They they yeah, sound absolutely. great. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, they're they're real. I mean, they're real clear there. And I was going to say too, another thing on there that was a slightly new ground in a way is when it when it went to that bridge. And the bridge section, and then and then you're singing that section. Well, we did stuff like that all the time, not that, but but while you're singing, there's this like solo-y, like really like grown-up sounding sax solo thing going on in the background. And that's not something that we had really done before because that was, you know, that was the first time that we had JR that could kind of play that way and, and sort of free flow and kind of like come up with like stuff that's suiting like on the spot like that. And like you can kind of feel that that's not like a super rehearsed section of the song it's a little bit because that sax is just kind of fooling around a little bit you know what I'm saying
0: well yeah and I mean he's a, you know plays a tenor sax and prior to that the the record before our, our, our uh, sax player played the baritone which is a really low grovelly low you know growly type instrument so yeah that's a great point which I wanted to bring up this was JR's first record with us and he brought a lot to the table that that little sax part which I didn't even think of till you brought it up um, that's a, a, something that we hadn't done which gives this song its own flavor but
1: Also, he sang the
0: the high harmonies and the choruses on this song.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, his his range on the top side, I mean, probably people don't know, and I probably— get credit for that. People are like, Oh, it's Roger singing all that high shit, but you know, probably eight times out of 10 that's Jr. singing all the super high stuff on anything since Anthem, you know? Yeah.
0: And for, for, uh, you know, <laughs> for a big duty, hits these notes, I'm looking over, I'm going, how are you singing that high to this nice. day? He just, it amazes me. And that, that, you know, I don't want to say change the sound, but yeah, it did. It, it, it definitely was a new flavor for us. The, 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 the harmonies in that, uh, in that chorus is just so, you know, it's, well, it, it, it's so catchy. It
1: brought us, it, you know, it brought us one step closer to like that, like Eagles thing that, you know, we're like, oh, harmonies are the shit. Like singing together is great. We love that. But you and I could only kind of get away with so much, you know, we can only cover so many bases. But like now with the three of us singing, it's like, you know, more often than not, like we're just be- being able to hit that like Beach Boys thing or whatever, like that three part harmony. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. And, you know, being in a band, and I definitely know you feel this way. We've, we've had this conversation. We, you know, I'm always searching for the, the next greatest song or the next song that's better than the last. You're always trying to, you know, not for any ego or personal reasons. You just always want to write the next great song. And, um, you know, there was definitely something, I keep using the word, It was there was something in the air, It was something magical with this one. And this one really, just the nature of the track itself is unlike anything else on the record. It just really really sticks out and um you know again i'll go back to that question i mean i just it's so weird i can remember specifically like i remember writing break soon in my house like i remember writing that song i remember you know writing a uh, A bomb house and where we were were in the warehouse working on it but this one just kind of you know like i said came out of nowhere
1: yeah you know like okay so In the history of when we would go make records, like way back from the beginning, like there was always like these sort of periphery songs. Like the one that comes to mind is like Throw the Brick. Where like we know we're going to record it, we're not going to overthink it. It is what it is. Right. And like, yeah, Yeah. it it, was like we've always sort of had these sort of like, Songs that we're not really overthinking that are just kind of like, you know, maybe maybe it's sort of half done even, but we're going to record it because it's like, or or something like when we were doing Anthem and B-Sides, like the national anthem song, like that was written like in the last possible hours that we could have added a song to the collection you Uh know what i mean it's something like that and i kind of remember that science was sort of like that on the on the like chart of all the songs it was like oh and then we'll do that little reggae thing (laughs) you know it it wasn't (laughs) like a focus song it wasn't like oh welcome to the new south you know we're gonna make this whole thing and build it all up or even like uh you know, some well, of the
0: Ghost of Me and You. That's another
1: one. Yeah. Like another like that song, song was we like spent tons of time on it, working on the arrangement. How are we gonna do it? Like that was a focus song. And when we first started, uh science was not on that. It, it was not like a quote unquote A side when we when it was first part of the deal.
0: Right, right.
1: And that's it was that's why I think we don't have that many memories of it, because it was like like a throw the brick or like a dope like even Dope Man was a song where like we didn't really like over prep for those songs. We just kind of knew what the story was. We knew what to expect that we were just going to do them.
0: Well, that's, that's really why I, one of the reasons I picked this song was there was just like, I, I had questions and I found out like the 700 thing. I never knew that, you know, like I had questions about the origins of this tune because Pretty much, I mean, barring a couple of the B-side tracks, uh, I remember where we were, when we wrote them, who wrote them or wrote the majority of it or came up with the idea. But this film was kind of a mystery. I mean, you even look at stuff like... You know, I know it came late to the table, but like I remember, I remember all the stuff that like went on with Motown when you brought that song in. I remember going, I remember you saying, "We got to do a tempo map with this." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" You're like, "Well, ah, the verse has to be slower than the chorus." I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> you know. And it, it, it's funny what I remember about each song individually, but this one, it's just. Uh, yeah, it was it, it. It wasn't much of an idea, but then it turned in, it turned into the animal uh, that it is with all the production stuff. It's it, it's great. Yeah, and, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, definitely. It definitely, uh, it definitely uh, was. It, like first conceived like on a couch uh, at somebody's house in Long Beach,
0: for sure. Yeah. So yeah. you know. Um, we, we, we've talked a bit about science and there's some other stuff, uh, some things that I've, I've never asked you, you know, as a songwriter that I, d- I just want to talk about here, uh, uh, as we, as we near the end of the episode. So, um, do you remember, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you remember the first? No, I don't. No, I don't you remember. Wrote?
1: You don't. No, I don't remember. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Uh, first songs and, I what wrote.
0: It, and, and what it was called and how old you
1: were. Um, Oh man, there's, there was like, let's see, there was songs, but see, I was like just more into the music side. I wasn't like trying to hit lyrics and stuff when I was like really little. So really little, I mean like 13, 14. So I used to have like a little Casio keyboard and I would plug it into this bass amp that like my, from my uncle's band. And we would like play that. And like my, like my uncle would play the drums. And like, that was like the first time that I was like, quote unquote jamming, but that was just like making like little songs with just a keyboard and a drum set and just doing that sort of marriage of rhythm and melody you know but as right. far as like actually getting into like uh, being in a band because I, I a lot of like I did the whole orchestra thing and I played the viola in high school and I took piano lessons and all that that kind of stuff in like my early teens or whatever I didn't get into like being in a band until a little later I was like 16 when I got an electric guitar and then I had my my high school band disposition. From, uh, um, yeah, you remember? I think I played you the demo tape, like when we I, first I, hung out. I,
0: I could still see the demo tape in my head. Yeah, the black and white demo tape. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So that was my, <laughs> that was my three-piece, uh, quote unquote, punk rock band in high school, and uh, it was kind of like a Fugazi-ish kind of thing. And that was like the first time that uh, you know I was coming up with like lyrics. But I, again, I was always like the bass player. I was the guitar player. The bass player in that band, like, was the kind of guy that like titled songs and cat ideas for what songs could be called. And like, I always kind of been sort of like doing that with somebody in a weird way, you know? But, right. uh, yeah. Uh, there's, I, I'm trying to think of, there's one song. I wrote some other songs when I was like around that age with some other cat down there, but man, I don't remember something yeah. about like, a something about something about like hanging on a Saturday night like kind of lyrics i don't remember man
0: <laughs> well you know and and I'd, I'd like to kind of go off on a, on a little tangent here and just talk about you know i get asked a lot and i, and I know you do too roger in interviews or you'll you, you know, roger produces bands he has young bands and, and they'll say you know you
1: know oh shit i just remembered it it goes it went it was i i, kept, I forgot the guy's name but it went 11 o'clock <laughs> i wanted you so bad 11 o'clock's the best i ever had it was something like that like about a chick
0: I wanted. I want to record that in the next next record. The next the next Lo- less than Jake lost at home session. Don't forget the oh, lyric. Oh
1: God, no, no, no. That's 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 one time only, right there. That's it. Sorry, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. It just hit me. I was like, oh, I remember that song. I must have been fifteen when that song was. Something no, I'm. I was I'm
0: glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you, I'm glad you did. Um, but, you mm. know what I was going to say is, you know, you produce a lot of bands. I know you get asked like hey man, you know, like, ah, we want to go out and tour and we want to, you know, a lot of bands will use the word, we want to make it or we want to do this and do that. And, you know, I I, I love telling the story. And people have asked me before, how you know, how did you get, meet the guys in the band and, and, and or how did you become successful? And I always say that, my gosh, the stars that aligned for this band to happen. I mean, you know, I knew our drummer Vinny since high school. I went to UF. You know, he didn't even know if he was going to transfer up there he ended up begrudgingly transferring up there with with his girlfriend at the time he comes up there and you know we started the band for the first 6 months with it we had a different guy playing with us and it didn't work out and i had these these roommates uh these two girls that i went to high school with that were at the dorm one night and are at a party somewhere and I come home and uh, Jill's sitting there. She says, Hey, Chris, she goes, so you're looking for someone to be in, a, in your band, right? And I says, well, yeah. You know, she says, I met this guy tonight and I, he's amazing. And uh, I go, okay, whatever. And uh, it <laughs> was maybe, it was maybe three or four nights later. I walk into the apartment again and I walk in and there's this guy in my living room. And she's like, Hey, this is, this is Roger. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, Oh, you, you jam. And you're like, yeah, I'm like, cool. Come, come check out my guitar. And, and you walked into my, my bedroom uh, at the apartment and I had my little uh, combo amp there and, and you grabbed the guitar and you started playing and I had my ah shit moment. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, you know, but like, think about it. I mean, you had your choice. You were a smart kid. You could have went anywhere you know, you didn't have to go to UF. You got accepted to other colleges
1: and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it just, is what it is. It's crazy. You're just lucky you had cute roommates. Is all I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> no, but the re- the reason I wanted to bring this up in terms of songwriting is that, and, and, and I'm not saying this to, 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 to kiss your ass or anything like that. But you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have done this. You know, I mean, I, I, I think I write some great songs, but I I had to find you guys. I had to find you, you know, you were,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I had seen less and Jake play. You guys, I saw you guys play at the cover dish, you know, I remember that. I remember what the band was like before I, I hung out with you and stuff. And it was just like, it was a lot like, like a lot of other things, it just didn't it didn't stick out quite quite the same, you know. And very
0: just, li- very linear, you was, know. There yeah, wasn't much was, to it.
1: It was you know it was good pop punk, but it was just sort of there was it just kind of I don't know. And then at some point there, we just decided to take things to a different level. We just I mean we learned all those early songs and stuff, and we did the pop punk thing. But whenever the gears started turning, that we could play some ska and we could you know, that we had that energy to, like, make that go off. Whenever that happened, man, that's, like, when the fire kind of got lit, I think. Because then, like, I don't know, like, musically... I could really relate to that stuff. And, and I think that's how we ended up writing a song like science is because I wasn't, I mean, I always love like Bob Marley or whatever, but I'm not going to sit here and like, be like, Oh, I'm super into like every ska band. And I'm like, I'm not like a two-tone guy or anything like that, but I, I do love reggae and I love the raw energy of like ska and ska punk and like, you know, the dance ability and the, and all that, like the release of it all. But like, you know, I don't really know. What if, what if we just kept playing, you know, punk rock? What if we never got a horn section and we were just like a face-to-face style band back in the day? And then we never would have ended up on science, you know? Right. It's kind of, it's, I I don't know if you remember, I remember like, I clearly remember the first time that we were like playing ska and we're sitting there with guitars and I'm like, and we're like, I'm like, yeah, you like upstroke it and you like squeeze it. I, I can like picture you playing a, like ska on a guitar for the first time.
0: yeah, no, and and that's that's I'm I'm so glad you that's such a great point that you brought up of like what if we did get the horn section what if we decided no we're just gonna stay a three piece I mean we wouldn't be talking about this song it's all those little pieces that 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 eventually get you to get you to where it's at and um, la- last thing I want to I want to uh, leave the listeners with I want to ask you um, you know and w- do you remember because I I know what the w- when the moment was for me but do you remember the the, the moment where you were like Okay, we got something here. This is beyond my five drunk friends that want to hear the band on Saturday night and party. There's, there's something here, and I think I think we could make this into a legitimate, uh, for lack of a better word, a career. Do you remember? Do you remember that moment?
1: Well, it, you know, it definitely wasn't on the first tour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I talked about that recently. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> I think so. When we started. We were doing pretty good in Gainesville, but I felt like Gainesville was sort of easy pickings at the time. But when when we started hitting Daytona, Fairly frequently and and the shit was hitting the fan when we would play at that at that lazy Was it lazy susan's
0: it was lazy uh, it, it, Close it was um up and adam that became black-eyed susan's black
1: Eyed, yes. Yeah, that's what i'm thinking of that yeah. venue like For whatever reason whatever the hell was happening over there That was like a pretty good indicator that like if we could replicate that in other places that like, you know Maybe we could like, you know get in a van and cruise around but um honestly though uh, I think, I think for me, it's when we find when we really did have Craig on our side, our A and R guy, when he first when we first were introduced to Capitol Records, and and sort of that whole like big business side of music and 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 his sort of like guiding hand in those stages. I think that's when I was like, wow, we're going to be on the same label as like. The Beatles and Pink Floyd and shit. You know, like, oh, dude, I think yeah. that was, that for me was like when I was like, okay, like, n- now, n- like, quitting school makes sense now. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And, and, and you know as well as I do, it was, it was never about, you know, it's funny because people cried sell out if you signed to a label. Well, none of us were thinking about money. We just wanted to play the next big show. You know, like if we could if we could sell out uh, the cover dish at the time in Gainesville, which is a 550 seater. You know, like we, that was the dream. You know, and we hit that pretty early on, and and everything else is, has been gravy. Um, so hey, I I want to thank you for taking the time. I I know you really didn't want to talk to me today. Um, but
1: <laughs> well, I don't want to. That's I just don't want to talk to you on any days that end in Y. But it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um if any of you have been in
0: a band for any length of time you can fully get what we're talking about. This is a love hate I got going with this this SOB. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. I want you I want you to let our listeners know what's going on the, with the world of Roger Lima and uh you got uh, 1 minute and 38 okay. seconds. go.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of, since, uh, all of this, uh, at home time is going on, I'm just working on songs and doing a lot of stuff in my studio, at the Moat house. And, uh, I just did a record with this band called grab bag. It's like a punk rock record and it's, it's hilarious. It's a really good, funny record. So I'm going to be posting that on my Facebook's yada, yada. You can check it out. Uh, yeah, just working on some rehasher songs. had a couple singles come out this year, a couple more working on some songs with my other side band called Greenhorn with my friend Jen. Got three songs lined up for that. And then of course, uh, pounded away on the lost at home sessions with my lesson Jake dudes. And uh, yeah that's what I'm doing, man. I'm hanging out, trying to enjoy the alone time, flying quadcopters a shit ton and enjoy each day as it comes by.
0: That is awesome. Can you let the listeners know if they'd like to get in touch with you for a production or recording of their band, how to do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, really the best thing, I uh, keep everything sort of separate if, is the facebook.com Studio. The Moat House is my studio. And uh, if you want to hit me up on that Facebook page, that's usually the best spot.
0: Perfecto. Well, hey, man, go fly some planes and thank you for uh, taking the time out. I love you, man.
1: Love you, man. Have Good luck with the rest of the shows. And uh, thanks for listening.
0: Very special thanks to this week's guest, Mr. Roger Lima. Thank you, Roger, for for doing the episode. Uh, I love you, man. You know that. And and thanks to all of you out there. Thanks to all the listeners who have made this podcast uh, beyond my wildest dreams uh, in terms of success. It's uh, it's been overwhelming the the response, the support, uh, everyone who's joined the, the the Facebook group. Chris makes a podcast. Thank you, and please keep those requests coming of uh, who you'd like to see as as a guest on the show. Special thanks to everyone uh, who has ordered a custom song for me uh, or has gotten together with me for a live one-on-one video consultation uh, which, uh, yes, I'm doing those now. They're uh, for song collaborations, co-writes, production questions pertaining to the music business and uh, everything in between Uh, as well as the custom songs I mentioned uh, if you'd like one written for you or that special someone in your life, a jingle or a voiceover for your business, brand or podcast and anything else you can think of when it comes to a -a one-of-a-kind custom song, hit me up Uh, to see some of my work, check out my YouTube page at kristamakes.com and email me at kristamakes at gmail.com i can be found on facebook at kristamakes official on twitter at less than chris and instagram at less than chris D. and please subscribe and leave a review on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts lastly i'd love to get your feedback and input at kristamakes a podcast facebook group uh yeah hit me up there and uh i will i will talk to you i like talking to you, you guys are you guys are great So, yeah, be on the lookout for next week's episode, which will not air on the usual Monday. It'll be on Sunday. It's a special Father's Day uh, episode, and it's a good one. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?